First of all, uh, I would like to say it's very nice to see that so many of you here at the conference actually knows how to use a computer. Um, or at least think they do. Um, yeah. Especially since uh, knowing how to operate a computer is rather essential when working remote or out of the office. So, remote working or telework, as it's referred to in academia, is by no means a novelty. However, the pandemic has dramatically increased the number of hours worked outside the office. And this way of working has also come to encompass organizations and employees with no prior experience at all of remote work. So one could say that in many cases, COVID-19 has done more for the digitalization of firms and to spark new ways of working than perhaps both the CEO and the CIO combined. Telework has been an extremely effective measure to uphold social distancing during the pandemic. In an interview, our famous state, and this is a hard word, bear with me, <clears throat> epidemiologist, our famous state epidemiologist, Anders Tegnell, he said uh, that one of the things that had surprised him the most in relation to how society coped with COVID-19 was uh, how well organization and employees adopted to remote work. In fact, it has worked so well that in many companies and employees are saying they are never going back to how they used to work before. Instead, favoring hybrid work that is both remote and on location. So today, with my speech, I want to highlight some potentials and pitfalls with telework, and especially in relation to the boundaries between work and private life. Hopefully, my talk will provide you all with some food for thought into your own boundaries. And also, I will provide you with some central aspects your organization needs to address when discussing the new normal. What I will not do is provide you with any simple fit-for-all solutions, like you should all work from home two days a week and three days at the office. Sorry, you have to decide that on your own. Um, and I will finish up with a vision of the future. Uh, that kind of boils down to that you all must buy my forthcoming book. So, yeah. Okay, so let's start. Are you ready? What science says about boundaryless work? Oh, <laughs> that was one. Okay, so I guess your first impression when seeing this uh, picture is a positive one, right? It takes us back to our summer vacation. Um, it looks beautiful. So let's start with... Uh, potentials with remote work. Um, let's assume she has chosen this location herself. This implies autonomy and control. Being able to control different aspects of our work situation is a well-known factor when it comes to employee health and well-being. Another thing we can see in this picture is trust. She is trusted to work outside of her office and the gaze of the manager. So, we also know that trust-based ways of managing employees is, um, favoring, um, is favorable for um, creativity and innovation. This place can, of course, also spark creativity. Um, and being able to focus while 
working and not being um, hassled by colleagues and managers bothering you. So in many ways, this could be a positive way. It can also imply less commuting, uh, which means more time with family, friends and recreational activities. However, when this way of working was first introduced some 15, 20 years ago, this was all what was said, the positive things. It was said to be more freedom, more creativity, uh, more trust-based way of managing. However, coincidentally, this was the same time as we also got the concept of burnout in society. We saw, I know uh, that you are, my students, they are so young these days, so they don't remember the millennia, the beginning of the millennia, but you are, I wouldn't say you're old, <laughs> sorry. Um, I would say you're old enough to remember uh, when we got burnout and the discussion in the beginning of the millennia with the psychosocial work environment and the problems concerning that. So, let's put on our more dystopian goggles and look at this picture one more time. Perhaps she's laying here working and the family is just outside the picture, right around here, swimming, yelling, Mom, come swim with me. But she can't because she spent the whole work week uh, in meetings and now she's catching up the mailbox uh, in the weekend, uh, preparing next week's work. So this is not a free choice, but are a way of coping with a high workload. Um, perhaps the company have a culture favoring constant availability. So if you don't answer an email within the hour, you're considered a slacker. So we have problems with high workload. We have problems with these constant expectations for connectivity. That is a potential problem. Um, and also, it can be a social isolation here, right? We know about one central factor when working remote from home, especially a couple of uh, years uh, into the pandemic, that social and professional isolation is a problem you need to address when you have employees working from home. So, and anyway, this... I'm not sure, is this what it has looked like these years when you have worked from home? Perhaps rather like this. So, uh, yeah, it pretty much sums up my years as well, yeah. Um, this is very evident that family situation can impact your capability of working and um, manage your work situation. However, we, one should also know that using digital technology, we, we can stay in touch with family, friends and kids even while we're at the office and working. These kids will grow up in a few years and uh, they will try to get your attention in the afternoon. Anyone got teenage kids here? Yeah. So what happens around three, four? They want to have a fika, and then it's very acute that you need 20 kronas uh, switched immediately so, so you can get that fika. Um, actually, one of my colleagues, we had a very important presentation, and um, she, uh, you, you always have your phone with you, she opened it uh, before, and she had seven missed calls from her son. She said, excuse me, I gotta take this, something is on fire, and uh, 
He was only asking if he could take this uh, last semla out of the fridge. Uh, <laughs> and it was important to him, and it was kind of nice asking his mom if he could. I mean, yeah. So I guess you, re you can somehow uh, relate to this. So, um, so remote work, working outside the office, a good or bad thing, it's related to organizational factors, workload, management system, relation with colleagues, but also personal preferences. So for some people, being able to separate work from personal, private life is very important. And this could be due to I have an ident uh, identity while at work. While at work, I'm a boss, I'm a scientist, whatever. And at home, I'm father. Um, and I don't want them to clash. Also, I want to distance myself mentally from work in the evenings and while at home. So I don't want to bring work home. For others, being able to mix and blend work and private life during everyday working day is the way to go. So, in order to understand different patterns, uh, we uh, conducted a study using a time diary, like this. We asked uh, employees uh, at three different industrial companies in Sweden to log during a week how they managed private life while at the office and how they managed their working life while at home. And we found a pattern. Something like this. We found people who had no boundary-breaking activities. They did not uh, manage any private matters while at work and while at the office, and they did not manage um, any work-related at home and in the evenings. And sometimes it was because they wanted it this way, and other times they had jobs that didn't allow them to, to bring home. Um, and then on the other pole, we had the total integrators, people who mixed and blend during the day. They, didn't, they did very much um, personal matter, booking dental appointments, travel tickets, uh, talking to friends. Uh, and when they came home, they, they just continued working. So they had no real clear boundaries. And we knew that from before in research, but what we found was some interesting aspects here that for some place seemed to be more important um, for others time. So if you have a lot to do, you have a lot of work to do, for some staying at the office late is the way to go because I want to leave my office at the office as I said. And when they come home they want to be, uh, be free. And for others Place didn't matter. You could work at home, even if we saw in a cinema one time so someone working. Um, but never after a certain time. So we call those time separators. And we have different aspects of work and uh, private life integrators. Let's not go into that. We don't have time. And we have the shifters. They have no clear pattern. So one day they're totally integrating, and the next day they are totally separating. And we didn't see. Yeah, that's kind of like sums up my life, and it because yeah, different aspects. So you could reflect when looking at this: what is my strategy, and what is my preferred strategy? And if I don't have that strategy, what is the problem? Is it work situation, family situation? How can I change it? <clears throat> uh, 
have a time back there? Four, four, three? Don't see. Yeah. Like three? Yeah. Cool. Um, so let's speed it up. So we, we looked at how, do you, how can you manage to uphold boundaries while working from home. So um, we found in a, a study that there is different strategies to do. For some, you can establish a dedicated workspace within the home. So you can say work is only conducted in this specific area. Or you can block off segments of time during uh, the during the day for work. And also ICT strategies, for example, the habit of leaving the computer out on the kitchen table. In the evening you see the computer, it sparks an idea related to work, you go check your emails and then you're stuck. So for many, taking technology out in the evening and taking it uh, um, yeah, in, the, in the morning was was the way to go. And also daily habits, like taking a walk in the morning, like going to the work and then go back again, and then your home is the office now all of a sudden. Um, other habits of putting on uh, office clothing. So uh, I don't sit and work in my pajama. I go up every day and make myself fresh and put on my, my office clothing. It's a way of creating a habit that helps you mentally detach and uh, start your working day. And also involve family members. It's hard to, to kind of explain to your kids coming home from school in the, in the afternoon saying, hey, I'm not available to you, I'm working, when you're sitting on your phone, the same phone that you use to catch Pokemon Go. So this is work now. Kids don't understand that. You need to talk to your kids. So what I want to say about this, reflect on your boundaries, try to see if, if you have problems, you want to create boundaries even while working at home. This could inspire you. And talk with your colleagues and friends about it. So now my vision of the future. What's next? What we see now, as I think Carl mentioned as well, is a movement called counter-urbanization that this telework during COVID have somehow sparked an idea that you want to go to the countryside and live because you don't have to live as close to your office anymore. So pretty much like the, in the 70s, the Grönavågen, if you remember this, if you're so old. So it's like the Grönavågen, but with less drugs, I would say, yeah. <laughs> and you still can have a career while working remote. So this, uh, I think, is promising for me coming from this northern part of Skåne region where we have had a lot of people moving out, factories closing down, as Carl mentioned. What if we could just accept living not half an hour from our workplace, but an hour? You don't have to be at the office so much. You can sit at homework. You don't have to commute so much. So, but you still have this problem. It's Lonely, working at home, it's bad ergonomics. The boundaries are not clear between work and private life. So, we have a solution with this Ganskot Contour, rural co-working. We see this in very, uh, not very many, <laughs> that's an exaggeration. But we see in some municipalities in Sweden, rural co-working, where municipalities use this to attract people to come live with them. So I was mind playing with this idea, what if we somehow 
established a co-working in an old furniture factory resembling my hometown in northern part of Skåne. What would happen? What would, uh, who would inhabit this? And how would the meeting between the country and the, the city look like? So keep an eye out for this, and uh, thank you.